0: All right, so the new year is upon us, actually 11 days into the new year, but uh, the Keep to the City podcast is back, and joining me to kick off the new year, uh, 2016, is a, a very frequent guest, but he hasn't been on in a while now, and uh, he joins me today to talk about uh, everything New York sports, between the Rangers, the baseball offseason, the Giants, uh, NFL gambling, <clears throat> among other things, uh, Brian Monzo of WFAN, he's the producer for Mike's On, Francesa on the fan. Monzo, how's it going today?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you found my number
0: again. <laughs> it has been a while. You know, I, I'm i so used to uh, just calling you every Thursday for Rangers or every other Thursday it is. But, you know, things uh, you know have gotten busy. You are over there popping out with another kid. Uh, so congratulations on that, a fifth kid under the age of five years old coming into the Bonzo family. So I'm glad you recently did purchase that new car of yours. I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> the problem is, Traditionally, all of my kids are named after Rangers,
1: but nobody on this team at this point deserves to have a child named after them.
0: No, I, I agree. And I feel like you've already used Nash. Uh, you know, I know you're not the biggest Stefan fan, so you can't go there. So I'm guessing unless you're using a, a first or middle name as Zuccarello, I don't really know where you turn now. No, I mean, the best name as far as names,
1: uh, you could logically name a child as Cryer. I'm not sure I would have damaged the kid that much at this point.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of, Carter, I mean, going back, what, almost four years ago next month was when we were very adamant about the Rangers. Uh, getting rid of Kreider, giving up everyone and, every, and anyone to get Rick Nash to go on a playoff run, and they didn't, and they held on to Kreider. And uh, just because he was a first-round pick and everyone had heard you know, about his speed and his and his, you know, his, body of work in college, uh, no one really wanted to get rid of him at the trade deadline except for me and you, and we had to make our case to seemingly everyone. Uh, and, and no one really jumped on board, but you look at his career to date, and between you know going up and down when Tortorello was here, uh, you know, just being you know a subpar performer during the AV years, I, I would say that Chris Kreider's career to this point has been a great disappointment.
1: Uh, it's tough to admit to that, but I have to agree. I mean, I, I don't know what I expected him to be—you know, forty-goal guy, a thirty-goal guy, or a twenty-five-goal uh, guy, powerful, kind of like Milan Lucic. But uh, absolutely, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if his head is just not where it needs to be, but he has not developed into that power forward type that everybody expected. I mean, look, there's no denying that he's got a hell of a shot, he's got unbelievable uh, speed, but you just don't see it enough, and you, you don't see it consistently, and it's frustrating when you know the talent's there, and it kind of reminds you of, in a way, Alexei Kovalev, who had all the skills in New York, but it wasn't until he went to Pittsburgh that he really became a star player, and uh, as the days dwindled here, it looks like, that could be the fate of Chris Kreider eventually at some point, uh, if they look to move him. And I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him go somewhere—Chicago, Detroit, Vancouver, anywhere—and see him start scoring 30 goals. Because it certainly doesn't look like it's working in New York at this point. Doesn't mean he can't change. Unfortunately, the one positive is I trust the coaching system and Alain you know, Vigneault to figure out a way to get this guy going to where you think he can go. But at this point, uh, he's certainly been uh, what you deem as a disappointment.
0: Yeah, i I have to agree with you there about him. You know, you'd think he'd be at least a 25-goal scorer, sprinkling a couple 30 seasons, but you know, to have six goals right now uh, through the midway point of this season, uh, 21 is career high coming last year, and just being over a half a point per game player the last two seasons, uh, it has been, you know, not what we expected from him as a first-round pick, and really the Rangers, I mean, as a whole, certainly their, their drafts haven't gone the way they've liked for the last decade plus, but... Uh, it is weird to think that we might be coming to the end of the road for Chris Kreider on the Rangers. You know, if, if
1: they're going to make a move of some kind during the season, and look, we can talk about the season, and I'm sure we will, um, and what we think is going on with this team right now. But if they're going to make a move to improve this team, they're going to have to trade a chip. Uh, I think he's the most watchful name just based on there's still upside there. Uh, he has proven that he can play. Um, I just don't think he's... Uh, hit his, his ceiling yet, whatever his ceiling may be, and uh, I think his team will definitely um, try to acquire him and and hope that he turns into that guy that we had hoped. Uh, I the Rangers look to make a move. Now, I mean, he could just play out the season and, and hopefully things turn around for him, but if the Rangers look to make a splash at the deadline, uh, try and improve this team going into the playoffs, uh, he'd certainly be a name that I think uh, could be moved at that point.
0: Yeah, and you look at this season as a whole and really, you know, you go down this list and Kreider's underperforming, Stepan's underperforming, uh, Nash, you know, you take away his hat trick from that one game and he has nine goals in the other 38 games. Uh, Zuccarello, you know, is doing his usual self, which, uh, you know, I badly we missed him in the postseason. And and Broussard's having a pretty good year, but outside of those top, you know, two guys, maybe throw in Nash or Gandel if you want, uh, this team has just been so inconsistent, really going back to... The week before Thanksgiving, and, and they haven't won back-to-back games since the week before Thanksgiving. And um, I really, I, I went up to Boston for that day after Thanksgiving, matinee a game, and that's sort of when everything started to turn. They had just come off the loss of the Canadians. They blew that game against Boston, got shut out against Philly, and ever since then, they haven't really been able to rebound. It puts together a few performances uh, worthy of wins, and now they're in a stretch here where they've got the Bruins tonight, they've got the Islanders on Thursday, the Flyers on Saturday, and the Capitals against Sunday. So some. Strong Eastern Conference play here, and with the way the standings are shaping up, you know, I, I shouldn't have to be scoreboard watching Devils games in January, but that's what it turned into.
1: No, I mean you're, you're not wrong, and I, I think a lot of us pinpoint that Boston game as some kind of uh, head shape, head scratching turning point to where this season kind of went into a negative way. Um, you know, I, I at first I actually couldn't believe the fact that I, I was actually pointing to the Derek Stepan injury as being that devastating that it hurt the the, uh, the the continuity of the team, um, so that was that was shocking to me in a way how important he really was to the team. Now they certainly played better the last few games. Uh, the Dallas Stars game was solid. I think the game against Washington, even though they uh, you know went down, they came back and then ended up losing in overtime. I thought they played well. Um, so hopefully uh, they get things going here. But now ever since that Boston game, something hasn't clicked and. You know, part of me, I was, I was kind of saying, and how I might have just been BSing myself, that they're just kind of sleepwalking their way into the playoffs, because so they're, they're so used to this routine, they don't really care where they finish in this season. You know, as long as they get into the playoffs, good things are going to happen. But no, something that has been off, and, and, uh, Lundquist has been, has struggled. Uh, the defense, which has been better than the last four games, really went through a phase where they were absolutely awful, uh, from top to bottom, with the exception of Dan Boyle and Keith Gandel, which is amazing in itself. Um but no, I mean you're not wrong. If something something is not right uh one hundred percent.
0: Um and you hope these last few games uh really turn it around. Yeah, and with love I mean going back early in the season he was putting together what might have been his best career year, you know, just a couple months into the season, though, and, you know, even better than his 2011-12 campaign, and now he's having what would turn out to be his worst season in the league in, in, uh, since 05-06, so um, I don't know if it's, you know, him experience fatigue because of their lengthy playoff runs the last couple of years, if this is just, you know, a bad slump and he's got to get out of this funk, or if it's the defense letting him down, but uh, it's certainly Henrik Lundqvist hasn't been the Henrik Lundqvist we've come to know in the last 10 years.
1: And you know what's funny about Lundqvist is, you know, traditionally he's a slow starter, and he gets better as the years got on. And it's been the complete opposite. He came out uh, like a man on a mission, like he wasn't going to let the team lose many games. Um, for the first quarter of the year, I mean, he was putting up ridiculous numbers, and then something clicked. All of a sudden with that Boston game, where you know we started giving up four or five goals way too many times. And look, I understand the defense struggle, but you used to Lundqvist bailing them out. You know more than he should have to, but this year, uh, they're during that stretch there. He, he definitely was not uh, bailing them out the way we're used to seeing him do it. Um, you know, when it comes to the game where the money's on the line, there's nobody else in the league I'd rather have. Uh, but it's certainly alarming to see him struggle uh, at least for a long period of time, like he has.
0: Yeah, and I feel like you know part of that does have to go to the defense. When you look at the play of Girardi lately, and when he plays with McDonough, you know how badly they've played together, uh, you know in recent memory. And you look at Dylan McElrath; who continues to be a healthy scratch and not in this lineup. And it makes you think that you know maybe Tim Boyle, even as cheaply as he came, given his age and his performance, uh, wasn't the best free agent signing before last season. But you know when McElrath has played, he's done a good job, and he's at, some, at, at times been you know their best defenseman. And it just sucks that. To watch every game and to see him up, you know, in the press box watching it once again as a healthy scratch, I feel like you know they need. They've been juggling around the offensive lines. They've been moving guys in and out, healthy scratches that way. Uh, maybe it's time to do the same with the defensemen.
1: No, I don't disagree with you, man. I I, look, I was ready to deem. I was ready to point him as to being a bust, and when he came up this year and way he played in the preseason, he actually looked like to be an NHL. Uh, defenseman, which is a pleasant surprise. So I don't know what it's going to take for him to get back in the lineup, maybe another injury. Of course, don't want to see that happen, uh, or possibly a trade. Um, but, no, I certainly think he has a future now on this team, and uh, hopefully the Rangers realize that as well, because the other thing to come out of that Boston game was when after to step and got nailed and, and hit uh, kind of a cheap way. You know, the first guy to come to his aid was McElrath, and he really – as The Rock would say, "Laid the smackdown," and that's something you like to see from a player, <laughs> especially these days. You don't get that that much, but he really showed the aggressive side of his game that we all know was there. But you don't get the, you know. Let's be honest. I mean, there's very few people that are watching YouTube videos of Dylan McElrath and what he's done, uh, aside from the day after he gets drafted. Um, so no, it was good to see. And he, looked he showed the, he has he has offense to his game. He has a good shot, and he can play the, he can play the position. So while I obviously still think they drafted him too high. Um, he looks like he has a role in this team, and hopefully they find it for
0: him. Yeah, and, and you look at the standings right now, and I mentioned scoreboard watching the Devils, which isn't something I thought I'd be doing, not just because I thought the Devils would be bad, but because I thought by this point, the way the Rangers started the season, that they might just cruise to, um, you know, at, at least the postseason, if not what they did last year. And now you look at the standings, and Washington is just separating themselves so much that it's going to be tough to overcome. Uh, you know, nearly a 20 point deficit in the standings in the Metro. So if you give them the one, which it looks like is going to happen, you know, for the rest of the season, um, barring some miraculous run by the Rangers or Islanders, we might be headed for that uh, Rangers Islanders postseason series that seemed to be inevitable the last two seasons but didn't happen. And maybe we'll finally get it this season.
1: Well, I certainly know that'd be a lot of fun for both, both fan bases. I mean, let's be honest, it'll be, you know, it would be like a war uh, of the city. So obviously, there's more Rangers fans than Islander fans, and that's not a knock on Islander fans. Um, but it's cool to have the Islanders a little closer out of Manhattan, uh, playing Brooklyn. Um, that 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 arena would be filled with Ranger fans uh, if they have a series. But no, it's a great rivalry, one of the best in sports. You know, and and I would not be surprised if that series were to happen. It goes seven games. You know, the Islanders give the Rangers a hell of a fight, and vice versa. So it'd be a lot of fun. I hope it happens.
0: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, <clears throat> with them moving to the city and with them both being, uh, you know, actually in the boroughs now and not having to go to the island, like you said, getting that place packed for playoff hockey, and um, obviously it's a unique building with uh, an odd layout. But to finally have to put the uh, Rangers-Islanders on the forefront of the game and not have to listen about who's the best team in New York in the regular season would certainly be a plus, uh, I guess, really, as long as the Rangers don't lose that series. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, look, if the Rangers were to lose that series, you'd not you'd hear about it, you know, for the next year, uh, and rightfully so. But look, I, I think at this point, it's way too hard to speculate who'd win, but it, it'd be like looking at Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk,
0: Kirk Cousins. Are you going to play uh, Lundquist or are you going to play Halak? I think everyone's going to bet on Lundquist. <laughs> Well, uh, the Rangers do have a tough stretch coming up here with those Eastern Conference uh, opponents and uh, with the back-to-back this weekend at Philly, at Washington. Um, you know, it doesn't get any easier for them as they as they head into the All-Star break. So, I, you know, we didn't really talk earlier on the season. We didn't really get predictions for the way things would go this year. But, you know, given what they, how good they were early in the season, when it seemed like they might never lose again to the point now where they can't win back-to-back games no matter what. uh, It's definitely a scary and worrisome time for Rangers fans.
1: As long as the players stay healthy, you know, and and, and as long as Lundquist is there, um, this team has played more playoff games than anybody in the last couple of years. And, you know, that experience is is huge. Um, So I I think, and look, I don't know if they're better than the Blackhawks or, you know, anything like that, but but I've seen them beat the Capitals in the playoffs uh, multiple times. Um, I've seen them beat them in the regular season this year. Um, so I, I know the Capitals are, are, are very, you know, are much higher in the standings, but that really, you know, doesn't mean anything to me. And I honestly don't think that means anything for the Rangers. The Rangers know as long as they get into the playoffs, which they will, you know, they'll they'll be as tough as anybody, you know, to eliminate. So uh, I think that's what they're looking at. I think that's what they're going to do. And if they get in, I, you know, I honestly, if they get in, they're one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. That's just how it is. They have the experience and the goal
0: and to turn things uh, from Rangers hockey, and uh, we moved to the Giants, which now their season has been over for eight days. The, uh, the wild card weekend round happening for the fourth straight season without the Giants in the postseason. And uh, they still don't have a head coach. Uh, Adam Gase is off the board going to Miami. Tom Coughlin's interviewing with the Eagles. We've heard Ben McAdoo, Steve Spagnola, Mike Smith, which is, would be the worst decision of all time. Um, Hugh Jackson might even be getting in there. So, you know. I was very, uh, you know, I was a strong Tom Coughlin believer. I thought he should get another year, even though things went the way they did this year with another six of ten finish. But I didn't. I wasn't ever the biggest Ben McAdoo fan, even though Eli's had basically his best two seasons of his career under him. Uh, I gave that credit to Odell Beckham. But now, as the coaching search sort of, you know, gets vamped up and and, and ramped up here in these next couple of weeks. I, I've sort of turned my page and I feel like Ben McAdoo is the guy to go to, which is as crazy as it sounds to give the Giants team to a guy with no head coaching experience, just two years as a coordinator. Um, I don't really want them to go outside the organization. I don't think there's any worthy candidates outside the organization. So I guess I, I'm all aboard the Ben McAdoo train for now.
1: No, no look, I agree with you, man. and I, 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 I'm not as down on Mike Smith as you may be, but I'm not ready at this point with the way the team is. And you gotta hope you get Victor Cruz back, um, you know. Finally, get a second wide receiver, and then you know you see what happens. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to hand the keys to Rashad Jennings as number one of my uh, running back. I don't know why they haven't done that already. I never. Really, I never need to see Andre Williams carry the ball ever again. Um, but no, I'm. I, I think the problem with bringing in a guy like Smith or the guy that I do like—that's that's Lovey Smith. Um, would be reassigning coaches like McAdoo and losing him because I don't think he'd come back to the offensive coordinator. So I, I think continuity is, is important here, and I think McAdoo is the guy for the job at this point. Eli's obviously comfortable with him. Uh, Beckham is obviously comfortable with him. Um, you heard Eli, uh, he was on with Mike week saying he thinks McAdoo is qualified for the job and he's happy with the job he's done as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, why disrupt things? I, I think the team is obviously just a few players away from being really good, and you got to hope that, you know, at the draft they do well, they sign some good free agents. You know, if there's a trade out there, which is rare in the NFL, but there's a trade out there that makes sense, uh, that's something they look at. But look, they they got to get some pass rushers. they got to get a second wide receiver. Uh, I think I'm actually comfortable with Will Tye at tight end uh, just off a few games. He looks like he's comfortable on the roll. He catches the ball. I don't remember thinking to myself that Will Tye dropped a lot of balls. So that was something I take a positive. I'm ready to, like I said, give Jennings the full-time running back role with Vereen as a uh, uh, kind of a mix it up, change of pace guy and, and guy coming out of the backfield catching balls. I think the offense is going well. I think defense is the big issue. Obviously, I'm not breaking any the news there. The defense was, was awful this year. So I think you got to get a couple pass rushers. I think you got to you know make the secondary a little better, um, and, and then go from there. So I do think that the, I do think they're close to being a good team. I mean, you saw it during the season. Uh, you know, they were just a couple of minutes away from being 10-2, and, and I know that, that's stupid to say that, but, but it is true. Um, so hopefully uh, what they end up doing, and I think it's him that they do as well, uh, gets his team righted, and, and they go back to playing the Giants football that we, we know it and have seen uh, be successful and have a prolific offense, because I think with, with Eli and Beckham, uh, you're always going to have that.
0: I was a little surprised to hear you say that Lovey Smith is your guy. You sort of want him in there.
1: Uh, no, I, I know, I think he's a fantastic coach. I, I really do. And I think he uh, was only fired in Tampa because uh, they want to keep their offensive coordinator as the head coach. Uh, I think he kind of got the raw end of, the, of the, the deal there. I think Winston didn't want to lose his offensive coordinator after a good rookie year. And unfortunately, he was just the, uh, you know, kind of guy that had to go. Um, but he's a good head coach, but the problem of bringing in him is you have to, you know, change your defense coordinator probably. You yeah, change your offensive coordinator. And I don't think the Giants at this point are, are ready to have a whole new system. That's one of the
0: reasons why uh, I don't think it's the right move. I think the thing that sucks the most, like you said, is that they, you know they were six and ten, but it, it you know that doesn't tell the whole story because of how close they were in the games and you know how much they led games in the last minute. Or things could have easily been you know eleven and five season or ten and six, and they'd be they'd have played this past weekend. Uh, but I think that's the most important thing: is they don't need a, a complete overhaul. And if they wanted Coughlin out, this was their chance coming off four straight postseason-less seasons. Um, but yeah, I feel like keeping the continuity, keeping either Mcadoo or Spagnola in the mix, and, and having Mcadoo as the head coach uh, slash offensive coordinator calling the plays, and keeping Spagnola, and you know revamping that defense, getting some better pieces, uh, you know getting those guys healthy because you know people forget how many players they lost in the preseason and early on in the season that sort of screwed them um, because that defense shouldn't have been as bad as they were, given the the names on paper we saw in the summer, but. Uh, I feel like they're really close. They were really close. They could have been in the playoffs. Tom Coughlin could still be the coach, and, and it just sucks that it had to end the way it did.
1: Oh uh, no! and I was... And look, watching Coughlin do his press conference, he did all his thank yous to everybody. Uh, when he got into that seven or eight-minute speech about football, all I was thinking to myself was, man, I want to hire Tom Coughlin as my head coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, look, he's, uh, he's as good as he gets, and I know he's had a couple... uh Couple of rough years here to end his uh, end his career with the Giants, but um, whatever he does, uh, whether it's coaching or just retires,
0: uh, he deserves it. And uh, you know, no one's ever going to forget those two Super Bowls he won with the Giants. Well, even though the Giants' season's over, uh, the playoffs still rolling along. We've still got a, you know three more weeks, uh, counting Super Bowl week, of, of NFL football left. And uh, I know you're. Um, you know, obviously like to make some financial contributions to NFL weekends and, uh, you know, from talking before we jumped on the podcast, it seems like you had a pretty good weekend uh, outside of the push that came in the, in the Pittsburgh Cincinnati game. But overall, it, it was a decent Wild Card weekend, I'd say, you know, it started out horribly with the Chiefs game ended horribly with the Redskins game but in the middle we got two nail biters and uh you know that I guess that's all you can ask for is to hope to get get something that's close to the spread that you take and now uh we look ahead here Chiefs Patriots uh Packers Cardinals on Saturday Seahawks Panthers Steelers Broncos and and I have a feeling you know just from talking to you and, and the way I know how you do things uh it seems like you'll be all over the underdogs heading into the divisional round
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, the, I think the, the price is right for a lot of these teams. Um, we'll start with the Kansas City game. I, I just think, I know, I, I, I know how good New England is. And, and look, there's a very good chance they win the Super Bowl again. I wouldn't be shocked at all. And they're probably going to win this game, but that, that spread of being five, I totally see that as a field goal game. Uh, Kansas City getting five, the way they're playing, winning 11 games in a row. Alex Smith is probably the smartest quarterback in the NFL. He can run. He can throw. It appears that Macklin is okay and, and might even play this weekend, which is big for them. Um, no, I, I think that getting uh, Kansas City plus five is an absolute must play. Um, you know, I, if only they had Jamal Charles, still, you know, they might they might actually win the game. That's that's going to make it tough for them. But I don't, I, you know, I know West has been good and, and whatever, but um, and Kelsey is, is tremendous at tight end. But, but I think that game, I, that game, Kansas City plus five, that is too good not to take. Yeah, I agree.
0: And I think, uh, you know, everyone sees the Patriots as the banged up team, but it is so hard to win up there, especially in the postseason uh, and, and the Chiefs coming off their game banged up a little bit, losing out on Macklin. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, I could see both sides of it. That's a tough one to go. I'm sure w- when you look at the Arizona-Green Bay game, you know, even though the Cardinals smoked them a few weeks ago, I was it, like 30-6, to 6 or 36-6. to 6, um, I, I'm sure you're always going to be back in your buddy Aaron Rodgers.
1: Oh, no, no. I, I tweeted last night. In Aaron, we trust. Um, <laughs> look, I just and I think one of the most important things to cut out of this weekend was the emergence of our the reemergence of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because once they got rolling late in the late in the second uh, quarter, going into the second half, man, he was just he was he was dealing like you you've seen Aaron Rodgers deal, finding guys open even when they lost Devontae Adams to injury. You know, he he was all over the place, and the running game got going. They were actually using Randall Cobb at the backfield, which was tremendous, and let it Lee Tee with some powerful runs. Starks uh, getting in there and actually holding on to the ball, which was nice. And Rodgers just looking as confident as you've seen in the last six to seven weeks. Um, I think that's a big storyline going into this game. Is just uh, the, the the Packers have have found um, that game that they that has made them so successful and got them off to a 6-0 start this season, um, I think that's going to be huge. And, look, I know Arizona is, is awesome, and they're a great team. They have, a great, they have an unbelievable coach. But if you're going to give me seven points, um, you're going to give Aaron Rodgers seven points in a game that's going to be going to have no elements because it's going to be covered up uh, in a dome. Um, I'll take that every time. Look, they may lose the game, but I think they'll cover that seven, no problem.
0: Well I was an honorary 12th for the uh, Super Bowl last year because I just wanted them to beat the Patriots so badly and after what happened on the goal line with the worst decision in the history of sports um, <laughs> I've made you know my life about hating Seattle hating the Seahawks hating the 12s hating Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and only hoping bad things happen to them and yesterday you don't have to watch them you know get you know the luckiest of lucky misses on a 27 yard chip shot field goal to lose and end their season and now here they are playing at Carolina, and I've also not been the biggest Carolina fan, despite them being fifteen and one, which sounds insane. But uh, it, it, all of a sudden now, I, I find myself thinking Seattle's going to beat Carolina, and here we go again—they're back in the NFC Championship.
1: And look, they, they played—they didn't play a great game uh, against Minnesota, but you know it was also minus four degrees. I don't think either team was particularly sharp, but neither team was particularly bad, and. You know, I don't know what's gonna happen with Marshawn Lynch. I get the, the feeling he's not gonna play just based on the way things uh, ended um, over the weekend. With him thinking they thinking he was gonna play all week, and then he ended up saying he couldn't play. So I think they might just go with uh, Michael as uh, the running back, who's been good in the time he's had to fill in. But you know, I, I think one of the most important things about that game is I, I think they found a, a guy in Doug Baldwin who can make big game plays and can catch the ball in the end zone. If they utilize him in that game against Carolina, along with Russell Wilson's running ability, along with Michael, along with the defense that you've seen win games, I mean, let's be honest, I I know how good Cam Newton is, but he's got no wide receivers. I mean, Funchess, uh, uh, Ted Dean Jr., and then he's got a phenomenal tight end, and he's got his legs, Um, and Stewart's banged up. So I think this game plays right into uh, – Seattle's offense has been a lot better the last few weeks. You're going to give me Seattle plus three on the road. I I, I understand they were 15-1 Carolina. I'll take those three points, and uh, I'll even think you're going to win the game.
0: Well, the final game will be uh, the return of Peyton Manning going against the banged-up Steelers. Uh, Big Ben having AC joint issues. Antonio Brown out with concussion. I mean, if for some reason Big Ben doesn't play and Antonio Brown can't come back from his concussion, um, and even though their running game was – not horrible without D'Angelo Williams and obviously without Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I just feel like there's no way the Broncos can lose at home with that defense against you know a team that has a horrible defense and now maybe possibly a horrible offense as well.
1: Well, look, if there's no Antonio Brown and there's no Ben Roethlisberger, that's just that's a big problem. <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's no denying that. But if they do play, and early reports is that Roethlisberger is, who's, by the way, the, the toughest guy Perhaps in the NFL um, is leaning towards playing. and if Antonio Brown get out of uh, concussion protocol and play, my 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 fear isn't them. My my issue with that game is if you're going to get if you're going to get the Steelers plus seven, I have no idea. As much as I like Peyton Manning, I have no idea what that team's going to be offensively because because I just don't know how he can throw the ball right now. I know he played well when he came back; he was five and nine hands the ball off 400 times, and it was an inspirational moment. And I, I bought into it, and I loved it. But I just don't know what they can do offensively to and consistently at this point. So if you're going to give me the Steelers with Roethlisberger, with Brown, at plus 7, I'm going to take that every time against uh, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning at this point.
0: I know that you, uh, you know, around the start of fall, you got hockey starting, football starting, the baseball heading to the postseason. That's always, like, your go-to time, and I know you always are – big on the fall and now here we are with the with winter upon us and uh, you know in three weeks all we're gonna have is hockey to get us through to March Madness and spring training and start of baseball. So this must be, you know, the depressing point of the sports calendar and, and really the entire calendar for you. Well, yes and no. I mean look I love football as much as
1: anybody. Um, I love I love post postseason baseball in the beginning of the off season with the signings although it feels like there's been no baseball signings. Um, but, no, for me personally, this is when, I mean, you'll love this. This is when the road to WrestleMania begins.
0: The <laughs> I was going to say, unless there's so some the weird Ru-
1: wrestling thing. The, Ro- the Royal Rumble's in two weeks. they day after Khan, and that's when it all begins. And then it's also the beginning of the uh, road to the Triple Crown, and, and we'll see what horses are going to be running in the Kentucky Derby, the Freakness, and the Belmont. Um, you're starting to see a couple horses now uh, develop into prominent three-year-olds. And, uh, they're going to give it a go. They got to, uh, that was a whole point system. So we got to see who's going to run these preliminary races. But right now, I think a horse that goes by the name Nyquist is going to be your favorite for the Kentucky Derby, uh, at this point, unless there's an injury of some kind. But no, nah, I mean, look, it is a downtime for, uh, the mainstream sports. But if you're a, uh, niche fan of horse racing, or if you're a loser wrestling fan like myself, I uh, know it's, it's a phenomenal time. It keeps you busy in the mar- uh, February and March, uh, months.
0: <laughs> well uh you know we never talked during the, the vets run to the, to the world series except from through twitter and uh obviously i was happy about the outcome of the world series you certainly were not but is neil walker do they think that's the only missing piece to get them over the hump for next season oh,
1: look, i think the pitching obviously uh makes them an instant contender but they, they didn't do anything in the bullpen um i like neil walker a lot, but no, I, I think I think their offense is going to be awful. <laughs> I really do, and I like Yeshua and Cabrera as well. But uh, I just I really worry about them losing a lot of two to one and one nothing games. And I I know they were never going to do it, but but you had to resign Cespedes. I I know he comes with his quirks, but I mean he elevated this team to a level that they never should have been at. Um, and he and he drew fans, which is also very important. So uh, no, I think that was a mistake. And look, I, I fully. Expect them to be 500, come to trade deadline, and do the same thing and find somebody who's got a contract that's expiring at the end of the year and give up nothing to get them. you know. But I'm certainly disappointed in the offseason thus far uh, and how things have gone for the Mets. And I think if you're a Yankee fan, and obviously you are, um, I-, I love what they've done in the offseason. I like the Aaron Hicks move. I like bringing in Chapman. Uh, I think they've done some smart things uh, to help solidify that team and make them younger which is something that they haven't done in a long time. They've added uh, – so, yeah, as well. I didn't mention him. I think that was a tremendous move. A lot of people didn't think so. I mean, the guy's 25,000 hits. I mean, he, he could be a Yankee second base and whatever for the next 10 years. I mean, I think that was a great move. So, I think the Yankees have had a really good offseason and the Mets kind of whatever.
0: Well, now you've got me all pumped up about what the Yankees have done because uh, it, it seems like, you know, they have done a few smart things to, to keep the team young as they wait for Teixeira to get off the books after this season and A-Rod and Sabathi after next. Um, but, you know, aside from Neil Walker having a great first name, uh, you know, Michael Kadir is retiring, uh, Daniel Murphy goes to the Nationals, it seems like, you know, the, the, Mets, the, the glory around the Mets only lasted, uh, uh, you know, just a couple weeks in October, and it seems like things are heading the other direction already. Well, with the pitching, and I, I think look, I, I look, there's, there's nobody that can match
1: the Mets' pitching. I mean, you're gonna go Harvey, Cindergard, Degrom, uh, you know, and then move on, and, and they brought back Cologne, and obviously you get uh, what's his the, um, uh, the, the Zach Wheeler coming back. I mean, look, that that is as good of a pitching staff as you can honestly come up. And I didn't uh, mention uh, uh, Stephen Max, so I mean, that that's a lot to be optimistic about. My uh, my personal favorite is Cindergard out of all of them. I think he's going to be the best one. I love what he did in the World Series where he threw the ball high. I would have done it a second time. That's him. I would have done it both times. I would have done it back-to-back and, you know, started a war. But, I mean, he, I think he took a real big leadership role in the team. Um, so that's always going to be good for the Mets. The offense, to me, is going to be the issue. We have no idea what David Wright is anymore. You know, 15 home runs, 75 RBIs. And Neil Walker, I think, who does something phenomenal phenomenal his name, as you mentioned. Um, you know, same thing, fifteen seventy five, and those are okay numbers, but you don't have that that, that big bopper in the middle. You don't have a, a, you know, I know you hate the guy, you don't have a Mark Deshera, a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs. She's not there, and I think Cespedes filled that role, and they're not going to give him the money, and they have no interest to bring him back, so I think that's going to be a, a big issue for
0: the Mets during the season. Maybe if you're lucky, Mark Deshera could be the, the Mets starting first baseman for 2017. I think even I would take uh Lucas Dudo wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronzo, you got uh you got Francesicon coming up in a few weeks there, uh on the bye week before the Super Bowl and uh I was in attendance last year and it was a, a pretty awesome day. Uh, I wasn't there the first year and now you are already on the, the third annual Francesicon, so uh you must be pretty pumped about that because I I know you, you love that entire event.
1: No, I mean look, we were supposed to have my daughters my daughter Lorelai's christening that day, and we had to move it because of Francescon. So um, (laughs) it's a big event. It's a lot of fun. It's all in good fun. It's all in good spirits. Um, The fans are great. Uh, The impersonators are great. Mike uh, enjoys it. Um, And all the guys at the station that go enjoy it. So it's it's all for charity. So it's a good cause. It's a good event. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, guys are nice enough to buy me beers. So I, I certainly enjoy going. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I know uh, you had mentioned earlier on in the podcast about, you know, not being sure about how to go with the name for your new kid and, and Ranger uh centric you know, we're running out of options there. Would you ever turn to the Mets for, for a name option?
1: When I look at the Mets for a name option,
0: I, you know, I don't know. I might just name my kid Mike Francesa Mungo. <laughs> That's not a bad way to go.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, look, it will be number one right away. <laughs>
0: All right, Monza, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we'll have to do this again before the Super Bowl so we can uh, wrap up the NFL season. Hopefully by the next time we talk, the Rangers, maybe they can go on a little run here in the next uh, six days, pick up four wins against uh, the Bruins, Flyers, uh, you know, Capitals, uh, and, and get back to business. But it's good talking to you again, and thanks for coming back.
1: Absolutely. I will see you at Franceticon.